Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. In this podcast, we tackle difficult issues related to living, loving, and leading in a broken world. We hope you are encouraged by today's episode. Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. It's a beautiful day here in Colorado Springs, and it's always good to be with my buddy John Bailey. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, and it is always good to be doing this with you, Mark. So, Well, we always start off with something fun, and you and I both have <laughs> traveled the world, and we were talking today about, uh, hopefully we don't gross anybody out, but we wanted to talk about some of the most interesting slash disgusting things we've had to eat traveling so, the world. I want to correct that we actually completely want to disgust you because <laughs> we think it's funny. I don't know why we think it's funny, but it's funny. Well, you know, that one of my missionary heroes was Elizabeth Elliot. Mm. She used to say, uh, what, what she said, she said, the missionary song is, where he leads me, I will follow. What he feeds me, I will swallow. <laughs> <laughs> she always said the second verse of that was, God, I'll get it down if you'll keep it down. <laughs> so you've been all over the world. What's the most uh, interesting thing you've ever had to eat? And you know, I've I've eaten rattlesnake, I've eaten bear. Mm. Of course, alligator used to be a big thing. It's not anymore. Right. But uh, anyways, but I would say of the um, most disgusting. I did not eat this myself. Okay. Uh, so I I could I could tell the part of, but I um so I have an African man, and what the, one of the things that they would do in Africa is take milk, and they would set it out and let it ferment and rot. Basically, mm-hmm. it would just set out and it would become disgusting. <laughs> and then they would drink it because it gave a lining to their stomach. Um, mm-hmm. And so anyways, I did not drink it, but I watched him drink it. And when he finished, he had like white white stuff all around <laughs> his lips. And I was like, dude, I mean, and then, and then we had to eat dinner. And I was like, okay, what are we serving today? So, yeah. How about yourself? Uh, you know I ate a variety of stuff, you know. I mean, we ate in in the Middle East. We had really good food, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but you know, we <laughs> ate a lot of organ meat that, yeah. you know, stuff like spleen and kidneys and hearts and liver and brain and spinal cords. Mm-hmm. The first time I ever had to eat testicles, you know. That was, you know, I don't was, know if I want to be your friend anymore. <laughs> that wasn't my, that, you know, uh, that wasn't my favorite uh, meal I'd ever had. You know, I would have spent the rest of the day trying to get that image out of my mind. By the way, thank you. Uh, hey, we live in Colorado, where you know the state f- food huh? is Rocky Mountain oysters. So. Um, but um, probably that I, I managed to avoid this. Yeah. But there was a village in the south of a country I lived in that used to make a cheese that it wasn't that cheese unless it had was infested with maggots. Sorry, that sounds disgusting. That's it. <laughs> it sounds pretty disgusting. People are either like really intrigued with the podcast right now or they're turning off hit the stop button. So you're definitely one up in my story. I feel like my story is one up now. Well, let's go ahead and move on to today's <laughs> after that low moment. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to today's topic, which is incredibly practical. Yep. And um it's an issue that every one of us have to deal with. And honestly, I think it's probably the thing that impedes mm-hmm. the spiritual development yeah. and the spiritual fervency 
of believers more than anything else, and that's really the issue of forgiveness, being in right relationship with other people. Yeah, and over the next few weeks, we really want to talk about some things that kind of cause us to struggle with keeping that fervor and that fire. Um, I heard somebody early in my um, when I was younger in ministry, and and they're like, you know, people keep coming to the altars, and God touches them, and you know, and you know, they keep getting refilled. Actually, in the in the book of Acts, I think it says they were filled, and it's like ten or twelve times. And so they go like, well, why do you have to keep getting getting refilled? And the pastor would say, because we leak. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this world can be really. <laughs> You know, deafening to the, you know, we're in, we're in this conflict of a spiritual battle. So what are those things that we have to confront so that we keep a spiritual fervor? Not just, you know, go to a set of meetings for mm, two weeks sure. and get touched, but we want to walk in the power and the life and the fervor of, of the things of God. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that how we live our lives in our dailies is what mm-hmm. really determines you know, our our spiritual fervency. Now, we're both of us are really grateful that there are times when we feel God's imminent presence in our lives in a very tangible way. I mean, you know, you're in a either in your personal pr- quiet time or in church. You know, I, I just you know recently I was at church and we were taking the Lord's table communion at church and was taking it. And I just, I was just overwhelmed by God's presence. And I just started crying Wow! as I thought about what God had done for me. And it was, his presence was so tangible. And we're both, we're, we're incredibly grateful yeah. for that. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that. The, the reality is we can't live in that situation every moment of every day. Yeah. And I, I think even that's that's what faith is. So there there are times and I think you would agree with this. There's times that we have incredible experiences with Christ and the Holy Spirit and you feel God's presence. But the thing is, is if if that is what you need, uh, I know earlier in my Christian life, like you'd have those moments and then when, you, when it was like, well, I haven't, you know, tangibly felt the presence of God. But as you grow in this walk, it, hey, it's great when that happens, but I don't need that to happen. I know who Jesus right. is. I walk with Jesus. I love Jesus. I know that I'm secure in Jesus. So I don't have to constantly have this feeling. But thank God, it just it makes your life so much more peaceful. When it comes, it comes like a, like a river, like an ocean. Right. And thank God for that. But when it doesn't, I'm ju- the presence of God is with me just as much in the moments that I feel it and the moments that I don't. Absolutely. I, I know this is going to sound a little bit odd. <laughs> Would be the first crazy. odd thing I was going to say. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I think at times God actually withholds that imminent feeling of his presence mm-hmm. from us because it creates a greater hunger in us you know if we have if if we're if we're always well fed we're never hungry sure um in you know i lived for so many years in a middle eastern context and years ago i heard something that just really stuck out stuck in my mind as it relates to this and they were talking about olive trees olive you know when they planted an olive tree that they would be very careful 
that after they planted it, and immediately they would give it a little bit of water. Yep. But then after a certain point, they would actually withhold water from it. Like they didn't want it watered. And mm. the, what happened there is they discovered that trees that were watered significantly, their roots stayed on the surface. Mm. But trees that they withheld water from had to, their roots had to go deep looking for water. And so years later, the tree that had water, significant water in its early formation stages, actually couldn't withhold drought, couldn't withstand drought. But those trees that had put roots down deep, when there was a drought, those trees continued to produce fruit. That's a really great illustration. And it really illustrates what the what the life of a believer is. And I, I think that there are moments. But, you know, Adam and Eve walk with God every afternoon, and yet this incredible disobedience of mm-hmm. walking away from him and and, and, and disobeying. And so there, there's those moments that, like, hey, you have to be able to trust God when you feel it, when you don't feel it. And sometimes we have this, you know, fervent moments or a moment in church where God touches you. But listen, the way that you live when you walk outside of the church, once God has touched you, is really going to determine where your spiritual life goes and the love and the walk that you have with him. And it's a greater indicator probably of your spiritual yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. You, you mentioned the garden, and I think that's a good place for us to start here on this as we talk about relational mm. you know, issues because that's where the re- first relational break happened. Yeah. You know, four relationships were were destroyed in the garden. Man's relationship with God, man's relationship with himself, man's relationship with his environment, but also man's relationship with his neighbor. Yep. You know, the the very first, I find this funny, the very first automobile accident that ever occurred in the United States occurred in a city with only two cars. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> two bad drivers right <laughs> and i look at that and they were i won't say it. i was gonna say they were women drivers out, but i will out. not say women drivers so if you're watching and you're a woman i did not say that um you can <clears throat> send your comments too <laughs> um but you know I, I i find that funny because it's the same in the garden i mean there's two people yep you know and no social media, no web, whatever, no neighbors. Yeah. The very first fight that break, happened, yeah. a break in relationship, yeah. argument, whatever, happens yeah. in the garden with two people. Yeah. And, you know, it's the, it's one, it's clearly it's the result of sin. Yeah. You know, and, you know, because we have this very early, it's her fault. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and so we see that, but... So today we want to talk about this whole idea of staying in right relationship with people and how that impacts us being in right relationship with God. And we're not talking about right relationship in the sense of salvation. Yep. That part of our, we acknowledge that that part where, you know, God's, we're in relationship with him. We're not talking about that. We're talking about, but, but there are things we can do sure. that hinder the flow of the spirit, uses New Testament terminology, might bad behaviors might quench the spirit of God moving in our lives. Yeah, and you know, you were raised in the pastor's home. Yep. Um, I it wasn't that we didn't go to church when I was younger. We certainly did. I wasn't very interested and very you know into what was happening in 
by my teenagers years, I was kind of off and doing my thing. But the one thing that I have, uh, you know, I, you know, I used to, I used to, when I was first became a Christian, I was like, well, now I'm a Christian, so I get to hang out with all the good people. <laughs> and about six months in the, into it, I was like, you know, the people in the bars aren't so bad. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes Christians can be mean, and the sheep bite. And, you know, and so th- there's a, there is this whole thing. If you can't navigate through these sure. relationships and it puts, the, you know, like we, we've quoted this before, but if a man comes to the altar and he's ready to make a sacrifice, God says, because this is how important relationships are to God, leave your gift at the altar yep. and go make the relationship right. Otherwise, there's going to be this enmity with God. Yeah. And if if you sit back and you go, man, I feel like God's far away one good place to look at may be how am I in the relationships of the people that are around me? Yes, absolutely. And and of course, it's easy to be in right relationship when everything's going great, yep. you know, but, you know, I know enough of your story, you know, enough of my story that honestly, some of the most in heavily inflicted wounds Came at the hands of un- other believers. Yeah, yeah, and you, you know, I, you know, I was an evangelist on the street. So yeah. in Europe, I'd go on the streets, and you know, people drunk. Man, I have been spat on, yelled at, called out for fights. It never bothered me one bit. Yeah, but somebody that that I love in the church, yeah, sure, or somebody that I respect, respect. that mm-hmm. you you have a conflict with, man, you can hardly sleep at night. You go through the brokenness of the feelings of what it is to be estranged in relationship, that's hurt, you know, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that always sticks in my mind as crucial as remembering Mm. is that pain is directly proportionate to intimacy. Mm. You know, if, if somebody, the closer I am to someone, the more intimate I am with an individual, the more likely I am to feel pain when they do something, say something, that is hurtful. Yeah. And so um, we have, but nevertheless, we have to forgive. We have to move forward. How do we stay in right relationship with people who have offended us? Yeah, you know, one scripture I like is where, where, where it says, um, as much as lies within you. Yeah, be at be peace, at peace with, all men. Yep. with all men. And sometimes, you know what, sometimes you get in positions and, it, and it's just impossible because you try and you're saying the right things and doing the right things, at least everything that's within you. Yeah. And there are some times that people just are bent in a direction and you go, hey, there's no healing here. That We're just going to be in this place. Have you ever experienced a situation where you've tried to make things right with someone, Mark, and you find, you find like, hey, I'm really trying here, but it just doesn't seem to be working? And how do you navigate through that? Yes, I, I mean, I have. And, you know... And sometimes, you know, you have to ask, is this just a matter of difference of opinion? Yes. You know, because we need to be able to lay our opinions down. You know, one sign of maturity is that somebody can distinguish between preferences, opinions, and convictions. Yep. You know, I, I, I prefer this genre of music over this genre of music. I have an opinion that... This is this is my opinion as it relates to when Jesus is coming back. But there's a lot of people out there in the body of Christ who love Jesus just as much as I do, who have a different opinion on that, 
a conviction, Jesus came in the flesh, died on the cross, rose from the dead, and there's one way to have a restored relationship with God. That's a conviction. I'm willing to to not sound overdramatic, I'm willing to die for my convictions. But a sign of immaturity is they can't separate, they're willing to die for their preferences and their opinions also. So a sign of maturity is you can make a distinction between those things. And so making, so part of that is when there's a relationship hemorrhage is to say, is this based on preference, opinion, conviction, or just personality? And if I could throw in that just slightly, there are 30 years of pastoring, 30 plus years of pastoring and leading. Mm -hmm. Most of the difficulties that people have in relationships are not, they're not, they're not, you know, having a divided relationship on, are you saved by grace alone? Sure. It is almost entirely on preferences. Sure. And, and that, and navigating through that can be important because I think trying to, for us to distinguish what are my preferences and convictions is a really important thing for all of us to do. Absolutely. You know, you and I both walked through this, you know, you've heard the term culture shock. Yes. You know, most people misinterpret or misunderstand what culture shock is. They think, you know, I I was in America, I got on a plane, I went to Mexico, I was there for a week and, you know... I got sick at my stomach because I ate something or whatever. And they think, you know, I was in cult. That was, I was in culture shock. Well, I have a better one for you. So I live in Alabama and I go to New York City. And I'm there for two days yeah, and I have exactly. culture shock because yeah. the pizza wasn't, you know. Yeah, yeah. you know, culture yeah. shock is something much deeper. Yeah. That's, and I describe it this way. It's when you've been in the culture long enough that you're able to actually, you're, you're looking at certain issues and you realize when I say this, I mean this. When they say the exact same thing, they mean something totally different, and I don't like that. Yep. You know. Well, and I'll tell you know I was a missionary in Ireland, so they speak English. And well, <laughs> form of English. All my Irish friends, it's a form of English. Uh, but I will tell you the culture was just as different as if, you know, I've been 60, 70 countries. Sure. So I've been in other places that you would think because the linguistics are, are different, that the culture is much different. But the culture in, in Ireland was much different than America. So I didn't really go through this, but there was a lot of missionaries in Ireland that went through major culture shock because of the thing that you're talking about. It's really, it's really an issue. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so... That happens at a micro level, even in our own culture. Yep. It happens in relationships at homes. You know, it happens between husbands and wives. You yeah. know, when I say this, I mean this. When she says the same exact thing, she means something else. Yeah, I hate to hit on this again, but, you know, we've done, I've done marriage counseling before, and you get somebody from the You're north. You're not supposed and somebody... to talk about my, Amy and my, uh, you know, time without you. you know, yeah. yeah, she's right all the time. <laughs> uh, but, it, but if you get a marriage and you have somebody from the north and the south, or somebody that has like a African American culture and an Asian culture, and and you you get di- people from different places that then get married. The cultural differences can be so vast. Yeah. And because they're because they're married and they have to deal with it every day, it can really create intense situations. It can absolutely. And so, you know, when I think about those things, I you know one of the things I always talk about is. 
it's easier to get through those things when we've made relational investments on the front end. Yep. You know, so I know that these things are going to happen. Yep. You know, but if I've put enough relational money in the bank, then, you know, I can make a withdrawal through a mess up, you know, and, and still not bounce a check. <laughs> You're right back on your marriage counseling. Yeah, sorry. Amy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is cheaper than therapy. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, but that's, I mean, through the years, I mean, I think that's an issue of, you know, one of my spiritual leaders that I've list, loved to listen to and read um, says that when one of the things he always does, he says, no, when he has an when he has a disagreement, with someone when he receives receives critique or criticism mm-hmm. yep. from someone, he says, "Before I go to the issue itself, before I start going down, you know the well, let's look at you know." He goes, "I always the first question I ask is what is in this subject for which I need to find repentance." Well, so maybe I'm five percent wrong, and they're and they're ninety five percent wrong. Yep. But there's almost never an opportunity that I can't find something when there's a relational disconnect. Yep. There's, it's never just their fault. Yep. And so I think when we – and for me, what makes that a, a great way forward is it's a sign of humility. Yeah. You start with the position that I may have some – I may have caused some of this. You know, I, I would say a lot of times when I preach that if you're going to be a good Christian – you have to be good at repenting. And and some of that repenting is towards God. Um, mm-hmm. Not not that you're getting resaved. I want to make no. sure I'm saying repentance that. Repentance just means but, to change our, to yeah. turn around. Yeah. And sometimes it means to admit that the things that you've done are wrong. Yeah. But it doesn't just work that way with God. It also works that way with people. So if you're going to be a good be- believer, a good Christian, you also have to be able to engage with people around you. And the truth is, God created us, different races, different tribes, different tongues, different people. And he didn't do that, um, you know, he didn't do that because he was, you know, upset at us. He did that because it forces us to have to get out of our comfort zones and engage with people that have different personalities, different way of thinking. And that's that's where the love comes in. Now I have to love you enough to get outside of myself to think, in a way that's maybe different than my understanding. And when you walk through it that way, it really makes you live in the grace of God. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, so, you know, I, I love and hate first Corinthians 13, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, but if I talk with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, you know, we love to think about our gifts. Mm Mm-hmm. God could care less. Yep. I think at the end of the day, God cares about our character. And love is the supreme virtue as it relates to demonstrating that we that God has changed our lives. You know, and the, the one that bothers me is, though I give my body to be burned <laughs> and I have not love, and I'm like, Hey, if I I'm giving I'm laying my life down, but if it, if the context of that isn't right, if it's just because I'm dedicated to Jesus, so I'll die. Yeah. But if it's not done out of a heart of love, yeah, it's you know it's like yeah, it's not really that <laughs> beneficial. Yeah, I, I've gotten to the place you know, you and I have lived in leadership arenas, 
yep. and led in different contexts throughout the years enough that, you know, we've both seen brothers and sisters in Christ divide yep. over what they called vision. And both sides saying this is a vision from God. Oh, good. Yeah. You know, and I've gotten to the place where I'm like, you know, I, I, I am absolutely convinced I can get to heaven without vision. <laughs> I can't get to heaven without love. Or grace. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, but love is the demonstration of God's, what God's done in my life. You know, yeah. it's a, we, we, I like the expression, Christianity isn't a works-based religion, but it is an evidence-based religion. Yeah. You know, because God has done these things in my life, this is the evidence of it. And love is certainly an evidence of the fact that my life's been changed and f- the ability to forgive and willingness to forgive. Yeah, and a cool thing for, for people, listen, I'm non-denominational, so uh, we work at World Challenge with all different denominations. Absolutely. Go to non-denominational church. I think I woke up at a moment, and I was like, I, I just don't think I'm a denominational person. Mm-hmm. But with that said, the Presbyterians went through incredible revival. Mm-hmm. The Methodists went through incredible revival. Yeah. The Reformed went through great revivals. The Baptists went through great spiritual awakenings. Yeah. And so that that has to tell us, that God is probably more concerned with the heart issues of the way that we engage. And listen, some people have different forms of theology or belief, but but if your life is focused on Christ and you love him with your heart, soul, and mind, that some of those other things become secondary. But what we do in the church is we make those things primary. And if we can really get focused on the love and the walk that we have with God and help to focus on the higher things, mm-hmm. Uh, I think there'd be far less division yep. um, and it would keep us in that place of really walking with a true heart for one another. I remember um, as a kid, you know, I, you and I have talked about this before, you know, I, I didn't really, I, I don't know what the right words, I don't know when I got saved. I know when God really, when, when I decided and by God's grace to walk with him regularly, I know when that age was. But, you know, I was exposed to Christianity as a kid, went to church all the time, and, and saw good things, you know, in church. But I remember one particular service as a kid, and this just popped into my mind. There was a, it was a Sunday night, and there was a sweet presence of God in the place. I mean, you know, it's, it was a particular, you know, it was a Pentecostal-type church, so you could imagine some of the, you know, it wasn't like weird or anything, but there was a lot of emotion engaged. And there were some real times of people down weeping at an altar and asking God, you know, seeking after God. And one of the things that I do remember to this day, there was a couple in the church, and I was too young to know this at the time, but my parents, you know, I think maybe I asked and they should, there was a couple that was estranged. Mm. They were living together, but relationally they were estranged. And what I remember is when the altar time was coming to an end this man and woman meeting at the altar and embracing each other. Wow. That happens when we are made, when we are right with God, it should have a, the impact should have a, t- a tangible one over into our personal relationships that we are then right, made right with people. That, that's incredible. And it goes back to what, what we the verse we're using today is, you know, to, to everything within yourself, to be at peace with all men. It doesn't say that it'll be easy. It doesn't no. say that like, oh, you just, 
you know, show up and it'll happen. It's work to live at peace. But the way that we encounter each other, it definitely makes the pathway to maintain that spiritual life and fervor for the things of God. Because if you're at odds with, with several people, and there, maybe somebody's watching today, and you find yourself at odds with all of these people, and then yet you're trying to have a relationship with Christ, God may be saying, hey, I love you, but you need to go sort some of these things out because they're really important. Yeah, I mean, as as a counselor might tell you, what's the commonality in all these relationships? It's you. <laughs> you. <laughs> that's a word for you today, Mark. Uh, <laughs> or for somebody that's watching today, uh, and and no. listen, that's not with judgment. I mean, no, people that that listen in to we we love you, but sometimes love is a little bit of going, hey, you know, uh, you know, they used to say in Ireland, cop onto yourself. You know, mm-hmm. like a little bit of self awareness to go maybe. You know, I'm interacting in such a way that I, I need to change the way I engage with people. And it will not only help my relationships, but it will help my ultimate relationship with the Lord to maintain that spiritual life and fervor. Yes. You know, I, now I'm going to tell you what I think. and then I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Cause you said that, So that scripture verse says, be at peace with all men as much as it is up to you. Yep. I have had situations where... I've done everything that I know to do, yep. and I still can't seem to be reconciled to this yep. person. They just, they're intransient. They won't move. You know, I'm willing to acknowledge, maybe, I, I mean, sometimes I think I've been in situations where I owned more of the issue than was actually my responsibility. And they're like, nope, I, I did nothing wrong. It's all your fault. Yeah. And, you know, in those situations, mm-hmm. I just look at it and say, it's not up to me. I've done everything I can do. You know, I'm going to continue to pray for this person, but I also am not going to live in guilt of because course. this person refuses to be reconciled, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm not going to spend, I think it's, it can become an obsession yeah. to, to say, I'm going to have to, I'm going to make sure this relationship is, because sometimes it's not in our power. Uh-huh. And I think when that is the case, we just need to walk on in grace. Yeah, well, it's woven into the passage as much as lies within you. It doesn't say you have to be right with everybody. Yeah. But it says as much as lies within you. What's not acceptable, and sometimes we go, well, I went and I said I'm sorry. They said nothing. So, you know, they're, you know, they're bad. Yeah. Well, the as much as possible means really endearing and trying to build bridges and trying to talk through things and trying to be realistic. There's a lot of times that there's just misunderstandings. There's times that people get marginalized and misinterpreted. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that means setting and talking and really walking through the situation so that uh, there's clear understandings. And there are times that once everything is clear, you have to go, hey, you get my position. I get your position. I've done what I can. You're asking me to cross a bridge. I can't cross. You're asking me to do something that I can't do because it violates my conscience. I can't right. do that. And so if there are those moments, Barnabas and Paul yeah. had to go separate ways for a moment in time, but eventually, you know, you see Paul and John Mark later come back and they're very close. So, you know, there are times that you may have to come to those. Just don't, but if you find that happening all, all the, the time, time. Yeah, exactly. then you go, hey, maybe I really haven't done as much as I could. And 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 it's not just saying I'm sorry. It's not just sending a note. It's really walking through, praying, 
The Bible says that if if you have a problem and you can't get it fixed, get two or three people right. and and sit down and then try to talk through it. And then you may have to go through it to a pastor. But it but the the you know the 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 important part of that passage that says and if you can you win a brother yes and it and it honors God because He brings blessings when there's unity so it is worth whatever it costs you to walk through is worth it and if at the end of the day you have to say hey I've done everything that I can then then when you walk away there's no guilt there's no shame it's going I've done everything I have to put it at the feet of Jesus because it's going to take God to solve this problem. Yeah. You know, you use the word unity. I love the the psalm. It says how blessed it is when men, brothers dwell together mm-hmm. in unity. It's like the oil running down on Aaron's beard. You know, and there's that symbolism of the anointing yeah. that took place with the when the priest was anointed for priesthood, that they would pour a, bought this costly, you know, precious anointing oil. Over them, and it would run down. And of course, that time, you know, men, most men had beards, you know, and mm-hmm. so you could see this image of this oil just dripping <laughs> off of Aaron's beard and the 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 symbolism there and the beauty of that. I don't want to overstress, you know, I don't want to make too much of it, but I think there is a link between an anointing that God would place on our life for fruitful ministry and unity, yeah, and the, at least the desire to be in unity with one another because i think if we are divided with our brothers we do hinder what god certainly we hinder our reputation yeah. in a community but i think even at a more spiritual level we hinder what god might want to be doing in our lives that that is really good mark in our next episode mark will be putting oil over mark's <laughs> head and he has a beard that it can float no, just for an illustration but, you know, one, one thing that we find this as well, and I know because we have a lot of people that are pastors and leaders, whether you're a pastor or not, you may be a Sunday school teacher, but, you know, you really want to be everything that God's called you to, to be. And how many times in life have we seen two people that obviously have a call from God that have, you know, have friction and go their ways and then sometimes develop this attitude of like, hey, I'm a better preacher than you. Look, I'm anointed. You know, I preach the good message. I have a large church, so therefore I must be right. And I want to just say to you, just because you have a large ministry, just because you feel like you're a good preacher, doesn't mean that you're in the right, okay? <laughs> so take a dose of humility, <laughs> Yeah. sit down for a moment, and examine yourself. Yeah. Because what you don't want to be caught doing is going off on this tangent of going, I'm the right one, I have the bigger church, I have the anointing, I'm the pastor, so I'm right. And what you can do is you can put a wall up. Eventually, God will speak to you, the Holy Spirit will convict you, and at some moment, you can find yourself doing a whole lot of things that seem to be good, but they aren't really life-giving. And so I think it's a warning to us how we navigate through those relationships and how we you know, work with each other. Absolutely. Um, we're coming to the end of our time today. Uh, any last comments you might have on just uh, encouragement to, for people to, to, to live in right relationship with one another? And we're not just yeah. talking. We've had episodes before where we talked about sure. forgiveness. We're talking today's episode. What we've tried to do is to tie the link yes. between walking in right relationship with others and how that impacts our relationship with God as it relates to us living in revival. 
yes. living in the fervor of what God, God's spirit in our life. Yeah, I, might, I think that my biggest thing, would the, the big takeaway from today is this. It's really important to God how we, how we walk in relationships mm-hmm. and the humility that we have, the way that we engage with people, because God, God looks at that. It's important. And so uh, revival can be looked at as an experience. I, I would prefer, and I think it's more biblical, if you look at the life of Paul, did you ever see the place where he had to come back and get revived yeah, or no. you know, he yeah. had to go to you know this revival place or that revival place? Well, he walked in it. Yeah. And our desire for you today is we, we want to see you walk in that, that, that faithful fire, that devotion, that fervency with, with Christ. And, and one of the things that will help you is when you walk in forgiveness, when you love people, and listen, we all do things that are terribly wrong. There's none of us, myself and Mark are here, yeah. and neither one of us are here saying that we don't do things wrong. We absolutely do. But having humility when you walk through it, being yeah. able to say that you're sorry, being able to navigate through issues, and really preferring your brother over yourself yeah. and trying to help people in difficult situations, it's really important. And so if you're watching today and you go, hey, just being honest today, I've, I've got a relationship and I, I probably have not done everything that I can mm-hmm. to be in right relationship. And I, I want to make sure that everything in my heart is right towards God and people. And so um, I don't, Mark, as we're closing here, maybe you would have a few thoughts and maybe pray f- for some folks that are watching today. Yeah. For, for me, just one last comment would be, I've discovered in my own life that nothing leads to resolve relationships better than, we talked about humility, but humility demonstrated. And so you said the ability, you know, saying you're sorry. Yep. I would take that one step further. Yep. You know, and it, it's, it's painful for me to say this every time I have to say it, but but I believe it strongly, and that is that more relationships are mended when we don't just say, I'm sorry, but we say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Mm, Very good. Because what that does is it transfers power to the other person. You're acknowledging, I've done something wrong, and I could just end by saying, I'm sorry, and say, I did everything, but I'm saying, I'm sorry, I'm humbling myself before you and I'm asking for your forgiveness. You know, now that puts that, that also shifts the responsibility to them and they have to make that decision themselves. But I found in my own life that that helps bring that reconciliation. And I think it also demonstrates godly humility. That is really good, Mark. Really good. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who, though being made in the former form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but humbled himself, yep. took on the form of a servant. And so, you know, the, the, the second thing and the last thing I would say is nothing builds bridges and nothing heals wounds better than service. Yeah. So to serve those who've done you wrong— Hurts, <laughs> doesn't feel good. It's it, hard initially. It's very hard. It's hard because oh. you get all this anger and everything, and then you're going, "How can I serve?" <laughs> that is not my nature. It, oh, right? I don't it's think it's anybody's it, nature. No, na- yeah. yeah no and one. the stronger your personality, the less likely it's yep. your nature. Yep. But what does Paul say? He says, "By doing so, 
we heap coals of fire on their heads, you know. And so, you know, I I just I I personally I, I know I don't live up to this, but my goal, that's the nature of a goal. You know, we don't live up to them, but we we aspire to them. I want to live in right relationship with every person. I don't ever want to be out of right relationship with somebody. One, life's too short. I just don't want to tolerate that stuff in my life. But then, two, I don't want it to get in the way of my relationship with God. So if you're watching today and, as John said, maybe there's – as we've talked, you – the Holy Spirit, I don't think it's just your your thoughts. I think maybe the Holy Spirit provoked you in mm-hmm. thinking about somebody or maybe people, individual, more than one person, individuals that you've, you've allowed hindrances, you've allowed offenses to build up. And so, you know, if, if you've allowed those offenses to build up, then my challenge for you today is to tear down those fences and mm-hmm. take the first step. Go to be reconciled with your brother. And it won't be easy, but uh, the Holy Spirit will give you the strength to do it. And so it's all right. I'm going to close this in prayer. Absolutely. Yep. Father, we thank you so much. Uh, we thank you that there was a chasm between us and you that we could have absolutely never cro- crossed in our own ability. And you built the bridge. And because you built that bridge that we could be reconciled to you, Lord, we believe that through the power of the Spirit, we can build bridges to be reconciled to one another. So, Lord, we ask that the same forgiveness that you demonstrated into our lives, that we would practice that with others. So, Lord, we ask that in your church, in the life of believers, and then in the life of believers with unbelievers, Lord, you would help us to live in right relationship with you so that Jesus might be glorified. Thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us this week at For Truth and Grace with John and Mark. We ask that you join us again next week when we will discuss an important topic. In the meantime, if this content's been of value to you, we ask that you share, uh, share it with your friends, make a comment on YouTube, uh, or use uh, whatever podcasting app you use to let others know about it. In the meantime, have a great week. Thanks so much for joining us. We know your time is valuable and we're so thankful you chose to spend it with us. If you enjoy listening to John and Mark, you could see both of them in person at the Fire in Our Bones conferences. Their heart is to see your passion for God and your calling rekindled. Check out worldchallenge.org or the show notes for more details. John and Mark will be back next week to offer their insight into how believers can live, love, and lead well in a broken world. We'll see you next time.